Alright. Hi, my name is Robin, and today I'm here with my friend Brian Aldridge. You can go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, Robin. It's nice to meet you. Um, yeah, I'm Brian. Uh, I work in primarily reality TV, uh, sometimes in scripted development uh, in kids and family animation. Uh, but today we're talking about a pill bottle, I believe. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Okay, so since you already dove in, um, tell me more about yourself, who you are, you know, who you were as a kid, kind of more of that stuff, and how it kind of manifested to all of this with the Tremor Safe pill bottle. Oh, man. Okay, so if we want to go all the way back in the story of Brian, nothing about it has anything to do with Parkinson's. Uh, I grew up as a kid obsessed with TV and film, always wanted to do that. Uh, made that my my career goal and now it is my career and and so I've pretty much lived and breathed TV um, which is not super important to the story except for the fact that I, I spent about mm, nine to ten months of the year on the road and then when I come home I just love to decompress do nothing it, like if I can have two or three days actually it's closer to a week if I did Hopefully my friends aren't listening to this. If I tell people I'm getting home at a certain date, I'm actually home a week before that. Just relaxing, <laughs> yeah. I just don't know. Uh, so I'll come home and I just totally can decompress, do nothing, sit on the couch and watch TikToks for hours and hours on end. Um, and it was during one of those kind of marathon do nothings that I saw this TikTok of a guy uh, who was struggling to take his medication because there were these tiny little pills and they, they came in like this, this flat tin or maybe he dumped them in there, but tiny pills that you couldn't really pick just one up at a time, you know, and he captured it like, Hey, big pharma, of course you take the, uh, the medication for those with movement disorders and make it as tiny as effing possible. Mm-hmm. And I saw that and I was like, oh, that is dumb. But also this guy is kind of dumb. Why doesn't he have a dispenser, right? So I keep scrolling. And then I scroll back and I bookmark the video. I'm just going to get this guy a dispenser. So, um, which, you know, I thought that was going to take like five minutes to send him something <laughs> off Amazon. So I get shopping around and I can't find anything. There's these giant like industrial uh, kind of nursing home style dispensers that'll spit out however many pills need into a paper cup. Uh-huh. And then there's like these calendar style, like I'm sure you've seen the discs where it'll spin around to that yeah. day and release one, but mm-hmm. those are like three to $500 Expensive, and they yeah. still don't really do anything for the actual taking of medication. They're, they're basically just a giant machine scaled down. And I was like, huh, how is it that we have single dispensers for candy? Like you can get one Pez at a time. But uh, right. when it comes to, you know, life-changing, sometimes life-saving medication, depending on what your ailment is, here's your orange bottle, dump it out in your hand, figure it out, take it. It's it's not our problem if you're shaking. And that, that really bugged me. Plus, I kind of felt like I'd lost to the internet because the, I went to the internet for a solution for this guy and there was nothing there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, th- I thought, well, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll sketch something up and 
safer than hell. Um, Cause again, I'm on vacation and uh, didn't really have too much to work on. Uh, my brain had turned into oatmeal at that point. So why not? Uh, so I started sketching out ideas and the further along I got, I was like, this is, this is actually kind of a problem. Like at first I was trying to do kind of like an, uh, what's an Archimedes screw to bring one up and, but that would crush pills or it'd only take one type of pill. And I'd try another design that would work. So long story short, I kind of went down a rabbit hole and stayed up all night. And then about eh, five, six, the sun was coming up. So like five thirty six the next morning, I finally had a design that I thought, okay, this could work. Uh, so I sent it to my friend Erica and they're like, Brian, go to bed. And I was like, no, I'm going to figure this thing out. Uh, and I thought I did. And I woke up the next day, and of course, and then I had a bazillion other ideas and kind of boiled it down to this pill bottle that, uh, that would in theory dispense one pill at a time. Uh-huh. But I had no clue if it would or not. And I also had no actual 3D designs for it. Um, I just had sketches. Mm-hmm. So that didn't really help uh, Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy is the guy who's uh, TikTok I saw, by the way. Uh, Jimmy Choi, J Fox Ninja. Gotcha. Um, and, and that didn't, I was like, well, that's not going to help him at all. It's still just an idea. You know, ideas are a dime a dozen. Uh, and I'd done some animation, but never any CAD work. Then I had to design something for him. Right. I didn't what I was doing. So that led to about two days of watching YouTube videos and like going through all these CAD tutorials. Like, here's how to make a paperclip. Now you can make a model. Now you've made a doorstop. So I've just got this giant library of things I don't need. I'm designing, trying to check off this list of like, what do I need to know to make a pill bottle? Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually I figured it out enough, like not well, but enough. Uh, that I, I was able to design a file that hopefully would print in a 3D printer. Um, and at this point, I'm, I'm like, I'm over it. Like, I'm just trying to get... Right. Uh, I don't make pill bottles. I don't make dispensers. And I'm thinking like, this is stupid, Brian. What are you doing? You could have spent this time either, you know, working on your your drawing because I'm, I'm a terrible illustrator, which is kind of embarrassing in my line of work. And uh, it's like, could have been working on so many other things to improve yourself. But no, here you are making a pill bottle for a guy on TikTok that doesn't even know you're making it for him to be made on a 3D printer that you don't have, right? Uh, so I throw the files online, I go on TikTok, and I stitch Jimmy's video, and I'm just like, here, uh, here's a design for a pill bottle for this guy. Uh, I don't have a 3D printer. Does somebody want to print it? Like, that was the, just the video right. like, yeah. NRG. I was just kind of cranky and... And then I wake up the next day and there's like thousands of people asking. For right. Files. Oh, I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's this guy, um, uh, my buddy in London, I think he goes by wicked 3d is his uh, current handle. I'll have to send you the, his thing, but he printed one and it didn't work because like the tolerances were wrong. Mm-hmm. So then he stayed up all night sanding down the edges of this thing so that it would snap together and actually work. He proved it worked. And uh, then after that, it was the, the next couple of weeks were just a blur where we were doing basically rapid iterative prototyping where, you know, I put out a new, new design, a bunch of people would test it. There was one guy where all he would do is he would download the file, print it out, 
and then throw the pill bottle up the floor and watch it bounce. And if it flew apart, it's like, well, that one's not good enough. And he was just the throw your pill bottles at the floor guy. Okay. Uh, so we, we tested this as a design a, a lot and got to a point where uh, now we have a version that can print on just about any 3D printer and works very well with most medications. That's um, awesome. In, in three parts. So, yeah, that was that was how it kind of all started. And I mean, in total, that happened in like a week. It was just from the time seeing that initial TikTok to the time that we had a a fully released one. I, I, I don't think any of us really slept more than a few hours each night because it, it just internet moves really fast when it wants to move. It does. Uh, so, so that's that's kind of the long wordy half baked explanation. No, I'm glad because now I have tons of questions. Okay, so let's rewind. So, oh my god, you explained it beautifully. So. I want to know more just about CAD because that is not easy to learn. And I know that you mentioned, you know, that you watch YouTube videos and that, you know, you were up all night, but I'm still really impressed how, you know, like you said, this isn't, this isn't your line of work. Um, so just like run me through kind of how that was kind of the struggles with that. And then kind of almost like, if you got any inspirations just from some of the videos from, you know, just a simple, easy design? Um, well, so I, yeah, the design uh, of what I wanted, I'd figured that out before I even it got on CAD. Okay. And I used some of my animation software to try and test whether or not this would work. And uh, 3D animation software, it looks beautiful, but it's usually not up to the task of, of making something functional mm-hmm. uh, because it's not exact. It's just points in space. It's, they're not exact measurements. So uh, CAD, it, it, particularly the, the software I used was called Fusion 360 because uh, at the time it was free. I think it might still be. I'd have to check. Um, but it was free and that made it better than everything else out there because I didn't want to spend money on like, you know, some of these programs like SolidWorks that's thousands of dollars. Right. Um, And it's a difficult program, but I found if you know what you need to accomplish, you can usually put bits and pieces together through learning resources on the internet. Uh So if you like slow down, start at square one, you know, here's intro to this program I know nothing about. Tell me what each button does. And you sit there and you slog through it and you don't skip anything. People want to skip ahead, but like you just sit there and you watch. It's just like, okay, that's the button for selecting things. This is the button for drawing circles. Mm -hmm. That seems really dumb and stupid right now until you need the button for drawing circles or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. Uh, So literally I just kind of sat there and slogged through uh, like an introductory course. And thankfully this, you know, this bottle doesn't have too much going on on it. Well, this, this iteration does, but the first one didn't, didn't have the ridges or anything. Um, and yeah, I think the first tutorial taught you how to make like a, a bookmark was what it was. And then after that, how to make a Coke bottle. And uh, each one was like half an hour long or so. And uh, I think it was, it was also helpful that I just did it all in one sitting. 
Okay. Because then it's all in the short term memory. You're hyper focused on it. Like if you sit me down in front of that same software now and ask me to design the pill bottle, I'm gonna have to go straight back to YouTube. Right. You know, and learn yeah. all over again. But uh yeah, it's it's more doable than you think, honestly. Like I thought it was gonna be way harder. But okay. they've made that software so user friendly and there's just so many tutorials online now that you can you can kind of learn it in a weekend. Nothing, you can't be designing, you know, boat propellers or, you know, doing your mold flow analysis or anything like that. You'd need a degree to figure out anything scientific. But when mm-hmm. it comes just to like making a bottle, it's, it's more doable than people think. So then, okay, I'm going to talk about the patent because I know that, you know, on the video, everyone was, you know, mentioning, you know, got to patent this, patent this immediately, you don't want it stolen by Big Pharma. So, kind of like, what was your thought process through all of that? I'm sure you had thought of a patent, I'm not sure how soon you have thought of one, you know what I'm saying? So, how was, you know, going through that? Because that's a whole different side than just designing it. That's... Yeah. <laughs> well, so incidentally, uh, the patent didn't get stolen by Big Pharma, uh, but and I'm going to work backwards on this, but a few weeks ago, the patent was stolen by China. Okay. Uh, I submitted my like uh, international patent. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like patent corporation treaty paperwork. And I, my lawyer's going to have my head for this, but whatever. And um, basically what they do is they review your patent and uh, see if it has any conflicting patents with it. And then if it doesn't, then you know you can basically carve out each country right and if it does uh then you have to dispute those so there's a few that we have to dispute that are honestly they look similar but they're entirely different devices mm-hmm. um and again i don't really care that much if we're being honest like because if you lose it that means it's public domain so mm-hmm. anywho but china just said no we saw your TikToks. f you we're taking <laughs> we're taking everything <laughs> like they literally responded within like I think it was within three months of submitting, which usually this takes years to get through this process. But China was just like, no, you showed us. We're taking it. Sorry. Go screw yourself. So uh, China stole it. Um, But yeah, when I initially designed it, I did do kind of like a a lazy patent search. You know, I went and looked through. And again, there were just a lot of devices that it's, it's interesting. They dispensed things, but they never really thought of the end user. You know, they never thought of the person with the lack of fine motor skills. It was just kind of, they designed a thing just so they could say they designed a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it looked like it would be patentable, but at the same time, uh, I wasn't, as far as I understood it, I should just be able to release the thing without the need for a pal. Uh-huh. So I posted initially and immediately people start screaming about, we need to pad this. You need to pad this right, right away. And right. Like, oh, no, no, I don't want to pad it. You know, I just, cause like, I mean, look what happened with insulin. You know, mm-hmm. those guys patented it, thought they were doing the right thing by donating that patent to, um, was it like the university of Toronto and another, I want to say, going to have to fact check me on that. Um, and then, you know, the price gets set and skyrocketed and it's now controlled by Mm. big pharma. So I didn't want that to happen. Uh, 
But what did end up happening is the second that file got released, there were a lot of, I don't want to say bad actors. I would say opportunists who came out of the cracks and said, Hey, we're going to help you with this, but also we want to co on the patent or, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, we could help test this and we want to co on the IP. And, you know, you, you dig into the, and a lot of these were nonprofits by the way. And then you dig into their books and you see that they're very much for profit, but it's, you know, for lining their, their uh, board of directors pockets, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's, there's no, there's no need to not need for nonprofits chairman to be making 400 K a year. Like, and that, that's a thing that happens a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And so because of that, you know, I started to get sketched out. I I talked to, to an attorney and she's wonderful because she's not only uh, qualified to, to write and dispute patents, but she's also, a, an act of practicing attorney, which most patent offices aren't. Um, so she can go in and defend the patent or either fight another patent. Um, and she advised me to basically, if you want to protect this thing the right way, get the patent, you know, apply for it. And we were able to do that because it was within a year of the first public unveiling. So, which that kind of saved us there. Um, and then create a voluntary license of basically saying, yes, we own the core IP. Mm-hmm. However, any people within this group are able to use it as they choose. So in our case, individuals that want to make their own and distribute those as they see fit, uh, the 3D printed ones and nonprofits. Okay. So those groups are protected. They have their license. And the great thing about a patent is unlike a trademark, you don't have to enforce it to retain it. With the trademark, you have to enforce it to retain your trademark. With a patent, that's not true. So really, unless I just decide to turn evil, which doesn't look like it's happening anytime soon, maybe in 20, you know, 20 30 years we'll go evil, but um, <laughs> I don't think we're going to, uh, we're going to just, you know, tell people to cease and desist. Um, but yeah, so the patent is, God of all, first of all, it's patent pending right now. That's okay. an important thing to remember. Um, gotcha. and even in that patent pending status, uh, we just want to make it very clear that there is a voluntary license for individuals and nonprofits. Um, and honestly, even if somebody wanted to do a mass manufactured run, the priority for us is always models and hands and accessibility over profits. Mm-hmm. So even in a very commercial sense, we would want to keep that licensing as affordable as possible and honestly only have that licensing deal in place so that we can make sure that the price is within a reasonable range. Mm-hmm. Um, gotcha. Yeah, because, I mean, there's there's so little plastic that goes into these. There's no need to sell it as if it's some sort of very uh, exactly. specialty device or I mean, I'm sure you've heard of, you know, the, the, the cripple or disability tax. Yeah. It comes yeah. any time there's a special device and we don't want to do that to, mm. to our, our demographic, you know, like life is hard enough to <laughs> like, imagine you wake up every day and you've got a stubbed toe. That's just like your little thing that you live with. And then every day you walk out the door, someone hits you over the head with a bat and they're like, that's for having a stubbed toe. Right. Like, 
that's that's basically what living with disability is like from the point of the, the companies that make assistive devices, which is just predatory and horrible. Um, okay, let's... Sorry, I ran. No, you're totally fine. Let's take a flip. I didn't mean to, you know, um, I didn't mean to spark anything when I asked about the patent, but let's... No, let's, I can make a short, short soundbite, by the way, if you want no. to edit this. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're funny. Okay. Okay, so um, we talked about CAD. I'm glad you told me a lot, a lot about the pill bottle because that was, um, I had a ton of questions. So that that's really good. But so talk, let's talk more about TremorSafe, the design. I know, um, you know, you, you have the tube that allows the pill to be taken out. Like, like you said, like a shot glass on your article with the yeah. verge and then the base that rotates. I want to know more about that. And then I also... Um, you know, I want to know more about how you think this will help the Parkinsonian community, especially. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I've got a couple of these here. This is the uh, the 3D printed version uh-huh. that you can download, you know, yourself. And um, these work right out the gate. This one has an eight millimeter base. And then uh, this guy here, which I know you're not going to see on the podcast. This is just kind of a fit and finished look at what the... Uh, the injection molded one will look like okay but this is the one that you'll use so let's see if i can pop this apart okay so in the base of these we have just a tiny little indent there okay that is just just bigger than your pole and the reason that we have that let me in here is that a pill will get trapped in that indent like so Mm -hmm. so in our middle section there is a chamber that will contain all your pills Mm -hmm. here and then there's a dispensary chute the part that you know goes to your mouth so when your pills are in that chamber it will just pick up the one that's fallen into that hole you turn the base and line it up with where you would actually take the pill And so now it's it's in this little isolated area and all your other pills will be stacked around here and then from there you would just tip it back again like a shot so the way that it works in the actual version we'll be using here i know this one doesn't see through mm-hmm. uh you would just dump all your pills in here uh-huh. the lid spins to a closed position so okay. that you can carry it around or a dispensed position so then you just turn the base. Uh-huh. And again, that little indent is sliding underneath all the pills, grabbing just one, and then it's scrubbing all the others off the medium. So if you looked in there, now you've got your one pill. And the great thing about these is they they work pretty much perfectly every time. You spin it around, it grabs one, you've got a pill. Spin it again, pill. And so because we have the base doing all the work for us of grabbing that pill and lining it up to where you need to take the medication, you don't actually have to ever even touch the pill. You know, um, we've designed the bottles with these, these big chunky edges uh-huh. so that even if you don't have use of your fingers, again, you can twist that base, uh-huh. get a pill. And again, it is like a shot glass or just taking a, a drink of water. You just hold it up to your mouth and throw mm-hmm. it back. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so that's that's kind of the gist of the bottle is it is a single pill dispenser um this is mostly for small round pills um we've got everything from uh the eight millimeter to 12 millimeter mm-hmm. size ones and as long as the pill is within that range it should work um, gotcha and honestly anything bigger you aren't facing the problem of needing the super fine motor skills to take that medication right. because it's a horse pill um, right no i'm glad you mentioned the base because i noticed that um that the base was chunky and i i assumed you know it had a reason but now that you've explained it how it just like goes down almost like a shot you know that that does make more sense um yeah and the the thing that we ran into a lot especially as more and more people wanted to get involved um particularly engineers is it's really easy when you're designing something to try and make it as efficient as possible Mm -hmm. and then forget entirely about the end user in this case somebody with uh either fine motor skills loss or essential tremors Mm -hmm. and by the way there's so many more people with essential tremors than just parkinson's patients um so we were trying to keep that demographic in mind and one of the things that kept happening is we'd end up with these really slick looking designs that could be manufactured in you know one pass and they'd cost 10 cents to make or whatever but then you would almost need more dexterity than is required for a normal pill bottle to accomplish a task and so the goal with this is always listen if you only have you know use of one hand we've got a chunky lid so that you can slam this against the table and you know operate it almost like a pepper mill you know if you prefer to hold it from below again it still works there's basically no wrong way to use this um and and you can do all of it you know again it's got the chunky thing there you don't really even need your fingers at a certain extent you can place it on the table use this so um and and so again usability and accessibility uh has always been our number one priority with these Mm -hmm. um we're not trying to make a, a pill bottle that has a gimmick dispenser. We're trying to make a better pill bottle than what's available. So that it becomes your, your everyday go-to part of your daily routine. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to go on too much of a tangent, um, but actually, yeah, I'll call that good. Okay. I will ramble. I'm sorry. No, you're totally fine. You do not need to apologize. Um, this is why we're doing this interview. Um, I did want to ask though about just, you know, kind of how you've seen it grow, um, and how you felt, you know, seeing Parkinson's patients, people with essential tremors and just movement disorders as a whole, like use it, kind of test it out how it's, you know, refined some of your designs maybe, or how that went about. I know, obviously, uh, you know, I read that, you know, a ton of prints and versions were printed and printed and printed and then sent to Jimmy Choi. And, you know, he, um, you know, eventually liked one version. So, you know, how was that feeling of just gratitude that, okay, like, you know, I, I did something, um, good and, you know, just that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hold on one second. The, uh, Crash truck is making a lot of noise. Can you hear that or no? no. Okay, perfect. Uh, yeah, so at this point, um, it, 
it has gone through many iterations of testing and uh, especially with people that actually suffer from Parkinson's mm-hmm. and that has been so important because there's little design details that you or I may not notice like say for instance these are about half the height of a regular pill bottle in terms okay. of proportions mm-hmm. the reason being is we didn't know this but pills are, are especially these particular pills are extremely brittle and break easily uh so jimmy says make it shorter make it shorter make it so that you can really you know shake this thing around and nothing's getting damaged uh so that was an important revelation um and really without the the help of the parkinson's and the building communities i don't think it ever would have come to to fruition we'll say mm-hmm. uh because it would just be a gadget that although it worked it didn't work well enough to be used in day-to-day life mm-hmm. um and now you know looking back we've, we've got these we've got thousands of these now all around the world I, I know i need to i need to follow up and get their contact info but uh there's a hospital in argentina makes a bunch of these and they actually have their own line of them now like snap in and out bases that they use with their patients and um i know jimmy still uses his every day and it's not a big deal you know it's a pill bottle but it does make their lives a little bit easier and that's as somebody that works again i work in reality tv as someone who works in kind of like one of the most vapid industries in the world it's so nice to think that, okay, we actually, we did something good. We helped people, you know, we help people for real. Mm-hmm. Um, and it honestly, it kind of changed my, um, my outlook on life a little bit, you know, like, cause there's a lot you can do for yourself, but honestly, it's so much more satisfying when you put that work into helping others mm-hmm. 